you today. Let's pray before we begin, and uh, we'll be praying for impact today because they're going to be without their, their preacher next Sunday. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the people that are in this room. Lord, we thank you that we, we get to come before you and ask, God, guide us, and you answer. We know that your scripture says that when we seek the Lord, that you will answer us. We don't need to worry that you will leave us abandoned. We don't need to worry that you will leave us in silence. We know that you did not uh, have your son leave this earth and leave us to our own devices. We know that our own devices and our own thoughts are not your ways. And so, Lord, we are grateful that you will guide us through your Holy Spirit. We're grateful that we have uh, your presence through your Holy Spirit here in this place. And so, Lord, we ask that you would give us hearts uh, that are open, ears to hear and eyes to see, and that you would make us more the people that you want us to be. Lord, we also ask that you would be with the, uh, all the believers here in this town, everyone here who claims you as Christ, who bends their knee to you and, and recognizes the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and puts all their hope in that. Those are our brothers and sisters, no matter where they attend. Uh, those that call you Lord are our brothers and sisters. And so, Lord, we ask that you will uh, light a fire in this town for those that call you Lord to be sharing the gospel, to be living out the good news, that we would be examples, that people would look at us and go, look at the way they love God and look at the way that they love each other. There's got to be something there. And, Lord, we ask more, uh, more than anything this morning that you would be with Impact Church, Lord, that you would bless David as he brings the word this morning. Uh, we ask that you would bless them next week as he is gone and coming here. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would move powerfully through them and that we would love each other in such a way that it brings a smile to our Jesus who wanted unity among all believers. Lord, we pray that for ourselves as well, and we ask that... Uh, we would remind ourselves of the great cost of the blood and uh, of the death and then the power and the resurrection for what we have in our life. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So we've been talking, as I said, we've been talking about seeking his way. This is the thing that we're wanting to do. We're wanting to ask God. God, guide us. God, lead us. And we've been getting a, a lot of information uh, from you. We've been having people respond to us and tell us things that are going on. One of my favorite things is to hear you come up and go, I can't believe this, but I started reading this book at the same time we started this, and it's about the Holy Spirit, or it's about prayer, and this is what's happening, and this is what's been going on, and I'm hearing all of these stories about how God's working through us. And I believe that is the work of the Holy Spirit, is to start pointing us in this direction, to open our eyes. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but the more you start talking about the Holy Spirit, the more you start trying to be in tune with the Holy Spirit and seeing what he does, the more you'll see him. It's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but when you got a new car or you were looking for a new car, like I remember a while back, I was like, I want a Toyota Tacoma, that's what I'm going to buy. And I started seeing them everywhere, yeah. everywhere. You just start looking and you go, there's one, there's one, there's one, there's one. Everybody drives one. I don't know if you've noticed that before, but when you put your mind on something like that and you start recognizing you have a desire, all of a sudden your eyes are open to see it everywhere. And with us, the desire to be able to see the work of the Holy Spirit, to see what God's doing in this world, and to be a part of that, all of a sudden what's going to start happening is you're going to go, wow, so God's doing this, and God's doing this, and the Holy Spirit's working here, and he's working here, and he's working here. And what it does is it's not that the Holy Spirit wasn't working before, it's that all of a sudden we have eyes to see it. And that's what we want. We want to be able to have eyes to see how God is at work here. And one of the things that we talked about 
is we want to be people who walk in the Spirit. We want to be filled with the Spirit. We want to trust in the Spirit. Uh, we use this scripture for the last few weeks as we talk about the Holy Spirit in 2 Corinthians 13, 14. This is the one that Paul prays for the church in Corinth. And he says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And that's what we want. We want the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. This relationship that comes through fellowship, sometimes it's called communion, and that's what we want. We want to be in communion with the Holy Spirit in such a way that there is this relationship that's constantly going on where we see him at work in everything that we do. We want to be able to walk in the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit. And you need to know when we say that, that's not something weird. That's God. It's, I want to walk with God. Well, you're going to do that through the Holy Spirit. I want to be filled with God. The Holy Spirit's going to help you do that. I want to walk in his ways. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is God. And so with us seeking this and trying to see the way of the Holy Spirit, this is us desiring to be closer to God. Like I said, we mentioned this a few weeks ago. The Holy Spirit is not Jesus' weird little brother. He is part of the Trinity. He is part of, the, of our God. And this is his presence in our world. And so we want to be closer to Father, to our Father, to our God. And the way that we do that is through the Holy Spirit. Last week we talked too about the Holy Spirit has a mission. And the mission is to move you into the mission of the Lord. It's not yours. It's not what the Holy Spirit comes in to make sure that you have an easy life and you have a good life. The Holy Spirit is here to guide us into the mission of God, to expand the kingdom of God. And that's what he does. But with that, we also need to understand that we have an enemy. There's a deceiver out there. And there's someone, and I, I want you to know this too, there, there's a, a being out there, our, uh, our enemy, Satan, who desires for us to make sure we don't follow the Holy Spirit. He doesn't want us being a church that would lay down things to pick up the Holy Spirit and to follow him. And so you need to know that with that, it's important to realize that we're going to be in a battle. There's a battle here for this. And the biggest threat, really, to the voice of the Holy Spirit and us being able to hear it is the voice of flesh. It's the flesh. And we have to learn that we're in that battle. And we have to learn to quiet that voice. And it's important for us to realize that the voice of the Spirit and the voice of the flesh is not the same thing. As a matter of fact, you can see Paul talking about this. And this will be our scripture for today. We're going to be in Romans 8. Uh, beginning in verse 1, if you want to turn over there, that Paul takes Romans 8, and this is going to be something that a lot of you are familiar with, but I want you to understand that he's talking about this battle that we're in between the flesh and between the spirit, and to go, those are not the same thing. As a matter of fact, in your Bible, the top of that paragraph may say, life in the spirit. That may be the way that it's even described. And so Paul goes on this rant about the spirit. The reason I call it a rant is the idea that he goes on this this uh, monologue of passion and what he believes about this and is something that he obviously feels very passionate about and he wants us to get it. He wants us to understand what it looks like, to have this passionate discourse between the spirit and the flesh. So I'm going to read this. It's, it's 17 verses. It's a little long. Stay with me. And if you can, take special note of how many times he talks about the spirit versus the flesh. Here's the word of the Lord. Romans 8 verses 1 through 17. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives, who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, 
God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin, condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but you're in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even, through your bo- even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, it, but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of your body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. The word of the Lord. Now, listen, that's a long scripture, and I know you're looking at that and going, man, that is a lot of stuff in there. It's hard to follow in some ways, but I hope more than anything, if there's something you noticed, is he kept saying spirit and flesh, spirit and flesh. As a matter of fact, in chapter 8, the Spirit's mentioned 21 times. It is the most... Uh, a dense compilation of the word spirit in any chapter that you'll see in the New Testament. It's he's talking over and over and over. This is what the spirit does. I don't know if you've ever had to do this in school where you had to write a compare and contrast paper where they go, take two things. Now you compare and contrast. This is what he's doing is he's going, I want to compare and contrast these two things. You need to know there's a battle between the flesh and between the spirit. And we're in that. We are in that right now. And so this is the way that he compares them. Here's some of the things that he said. He said, you need to know that the law is about flesh. And then Jesus, who came in the flesh, is about spirit. He said, the spirit sets you free, but the law of flesh will enslave you. He says, if you live according to the flesh, you have your mind on what the flesh desires. And he said, if you live according to the spirit, you have your mind on what the spirit desires. And you need to know that's about more than just what, what we're looking at. That has to do with what you trust. Where do you put your trust? Because that directs your actions and it directs your desires and it controls your thought and it controls your mind. As a matter of fact, he says, and your mind controlled by the flesh will lead to death. But the mind that's controlled by the spirit is life and peace. He keeps comparing and contrasting. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It's impossible for somebody that's controlled by the flesh to please God. He said, we live in different realms. There's actually a spiritual realm, and there's a fleshly realm. One is death. The other's life. He said, there's an obligation that we have, and it's not to flesh, 
It's the Spirit. And it's actually to put the flesh to death by the Spirit. And then he says, if you're in the Spirit, you're no longer slaves and you have no fear, but we are sons and daughters. He is going back and forth and back and forth and going, I want you to understand something. There's a battle that's going on. One of these leads to death and one of these leads to life. Now, our first look at this is we look at this and usually go, yes, I understand that because living according to the Spirit means you're a good person and living according to the flesh means you're a bad person. You're a sinner. You do these sins according to the flesh. You're sexually immoral or you're a thief or you just do whatever you want all the time. And I want you to know it's more than that. He's talking to believers with this. He's trying to make sure that you understand something. Is We need to know that even though we are believers in Christ, there is still a voice of flesh that will come into your mind and you're in a battle to live according to the spirit that God has given you. Really what this is, is this is about control. This is really him talking about control. Whether or not we're in control of this and whether or not we can trust ourselves, whether or not we look at what I do versus what God does. And that's really the battle between flesh and the spirit. The battle in the flesh is to go, look at what I do. The battle in the spirit, following the spirit, is look at what God's done. And that's really where we are more than anything and what we're trying to do. We must quiet that voice of the flesh. And it's really interesting because while chapter 8 is this rant that Paul does about the spirit, and he goes, this is what it's like to live in the spirit. If you look in chapter 7, right before this, right before the beginning of this that says, therefore, you'll go back and you'll see why this is about the flesh and why Paul is making this argument about the spirit. Let's read chapter 7. Chapter 7 is Paul's rant about what, it, what it's like to live in the flesh. This is Romans 7, 14 through 24. This is what Paul says. We know that the law is spiritual, but I'm unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who, who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that the good itself does not dwell in me. That is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me. This is that battle. Waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin that work within me. What a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body that's subject to death. I encourage you. If it, I know this is another hard one. Boy, you gotta, I, what I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, I always do. These are hard scriptures to read and especially out loud. I would encourage you, go read 7 and go read 8 again. Read chapter 7 and read chapter 8. What Paul is doing is making this point of what it's like to live in the spirit versus what it's like to live in the flesh. And you go, well, in chapter 7, he didn't actually use the word flesh a lot. But what he does do is a whole lot of I, me, and mine throughout that whole uh, uh, passage that we just read there. There's a whole lot of I, me, and mine. As a matter of fact, in those 19 verses uh, right there in chapter 7, it's used 53 times. I, me, mine. This is what I do. This is my work. 
This is how I work. And you need to know, not all 53 times when you think about that and you go, man, somebody is a little self-centered. It's not that. Most of the time when you see somebody who keeps talking about themselves and is self-centered, it's usually about how awesome they are. What Paul's talking about is how awful I am. It's not how awesome, it's how awful. He's showing us through those scriptures is this is what I tried to do in the flesh and this is what it did to me. This is what living in the flesh does. I was me-focused. This is what I did. And to have Paul go, listen, I know the law. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know the scriptures. I can't plead ignorance. I knew exactly what I was supposed to do. And I want to do good, but I do evil instead. And it seems that the more that I try to do good, the more I mess up. And the more I notice that I'm not doing good. That I'm actually having all of these shortcomings and these failures. And I'm in this vicious cycle of trying harder and trying harder to do what I'm supposed to do through my flesh. I'll just work harder at it to make sure that I do better and that I am better. I'll try to be different through my own efforts in living in the flesh. And it's not working. That's why you have Paul going, who will rescue me from this cycle that I'm in of death? I keep trying to work harder at being good, and it's not working. I keep trying to do these things that I'm supposed to do in the flesh, and it's not working. It's leading me to this place of destruction. The flesh says I'm condemned because of what I've done in my past. Or it says, what I'm doing right now that's good keeps condemnation away from me. And you need to know, both of those are lies. Both of those are lies. Both lead to fear. We get this fear that I'm afraid God holds my past against me, or I'm afraid God will hold my future against me if I don't fulfill what I'm supposed to do, if I'm not doing the right things. It focuses on what I've done and what I continue to do. You have to fix yourself. This is what Paul's talking about. Is you have to fix yourself. You have to win. You have to be right. You have to pick yourself up by your own bootstraps. You need to do better. You need to be better. The answer is that you need to try harder. And that's what chapter 7 was all about with Paul. And what he said is that leads to enslavement. You're just going to end up in this place where you're a slave to your past and what you've done wrong, and you're going to be a slave to your future, hoping that you can do right. And what this is about is control. It's really about who's in control of our salvation, of our lives, of God's leading. You start thinking about that, that sort of control Paul, that Paul dealt with, man, I can really relate to a lot. But you even look at this and you go, this is the sort of control Paul wanting to be in control that led a guy who was a Jewish leader into violence into persecuting people because they weren't right and feeling like I have to do this. I've got to save God and his message. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to harm other people. I'm going to grab them. I'm going to throw them in jail. I'm going to persecute them. He became a violent person trying to make sure that what he was doing was living out through the flesh what he felt like God needed him to do. And he found that that led to a place that was not closer to God, but instead led to this enslavement of the flesh. Paul was making that point. My behavior and even my salvation are in my hands and I will take them over. And there's no better hands if you're Paul. Think about that for a minute. If my salvation is in what I do 
and it's all in my hands. There are no better hands. He even gives his resume before us to go, listen, I was the religious guy. I knew the law better than anybody. I had the best teachers. I was the one who was the most zealous. I was the one who was the most passionate. And so with it all in my hands, I went after this. And this was a, these were good hands for it to be in. And I found myself in this place of death. Who will save me from what I've become? And that voice of the flesh needed to be quieted. It needed to die. That's why in chapter 8 it says we have an obligation to kill that, that voice. And you need to know, God doesn't just take that voice away from you, the voice of the flesh. He doesn't just grab that and go, I'm just going to purge this out of you. We have to lay it down. You got to kill that, you got to lay it down, and you got to put it aside. Romans 7 verse 14 where he talks about that just says, do more, be more, get more right, try harder. That's what Paul's talking about. It's this control. Man, I struggle with that. I don't know about you, but that is one of my biggest struggles, is wanting to be in control of the things that happen to me and the things that happen around me. I want control. I'm constantly grabbing for control over my salvation, over my future, over my past, over where we're going. If you don't think when we started this and go, we're going to be seeking his way, that I didn't want to grab this and steer this the way that I want to go, man, I got to turn loose of that. This has got to be the leading of God. And it's not just that I have to do that. We have to do that. We have to turn loose of where this is going. We cannot steer our life in Christ. The Spirit does that. We cannot justify ourselves through our actions. We, Jesus justified us. What we do is we live into that. And then Paul, if you watch what happens in chapter 7, he says, I've tried to do all of this right. I've tried to take control of this. I've tried to steer my salvation and what will happen in my life with God. And what I found out is I can't do it. And then he's beating himself up for it. I'm a wretched man. I'm a mess because I can't do the things that I want to do. I want to do them and I can't. And I don't want to do these things, and I keep doing them. And if it's all in my hands, I'm in big trouble. We tend to do that. We tend to beat ourselves up because we keep messing up. I don't know if you've done that before, but you have this where you go, I know that I'm doing this, and this is not what I'm supposed to be doing, whether it's about anger, whether it's about strife, whether it's about anxiety, of any of these things that you have, and you keep going, I can do better. I just need to try harder, and I'll be able to turn these things loose. That's us grasping for that control instead of following the Holy Spirit. I was talking to a friend this week, and he was talking about how sometimes we have this rough talk about ourselves. And one of the things that he mentioned that I had heard too is to go, man, I would never talk to somebody else like I talk to myself. It would be awful. Like when I keep trying to do something and I keep messing up and I keep going, what's wrong with you? Try harder, do better. Quit being such a loser. I, I promise you, if you come talk to me, I don't talk to you like that. I would never do that. I would never talk to you like that. But when I start looking at when I take the control of my own salvation of my own life in Christ and going, I can do this through more effort and trying harder, I beat myself up. I say all these awful things to myself. And that's because what I'm trying to do is take control of this life instead of following what the Spirit says. Can ruin our ability. The voice of the flesh can ruin our ability to listen to the Spirit 
because they are at war with one another. And it's important for us to remember that as a church. As we seek the will of God and to be led by the Spirit as a church, we need to quiet the voice of the flesh. We need to make sure that we're dwelling on what God has done for us and not what we're doing. Here's what happens with this if we don't. If we don't quiet the voice of the flesh in this, as we're seeking God's way, we'll get out in front of him and we'll try and steer this thing. It really makes us kind of go, hey, Holy Spirit and God, lead us into what you would have us be. But don't touch this. And don't touch this. And don't touch this. Lead me where you want me to go, but don't touch the things that my flesh really cares about and the things that I think are most important. Or it makes us say, Holy Spirit, lead us, but you better make sure and lead us to this place because this is what I've got in my mind. This is what I desire. It's don't touch this or you better touch that. And what that is is basically us trying to figure out what justifies ourselves. That is the work of the flesh. Don't touch this because I've held on to this to justify myself. You better touch this and change us here because this is what I'll use for us to justify ourselves. This is what we need to be, God. Lead us where you want us to go, but make sure it's this. And that's the problem with the voice of our flesh. And you can see it. The Pharisees, the disciples, they all had the same thing, right? The Pharisees had a problem with Jesus because he came in to say, I'm here to lead you to redemption and salvation. And they go, that's fine, but don't touch this. You're touching our religious system. You're touching the temple system. You can't do that. And so through their flesh, they rejected him in that way. You have the disciples kind of doing the same thing. Even what we talked about last week in Acts 1, they were going, okay, lead us, Lord. This is the time, right, that you're going to go ahead and put the kingdom back in the hands of Israel. It's going to look like this, right? It better look like this. You better defeat the Romans. You better set us up. That's what it's going to look like, right? We have us trying to guide the Lord in where he would take us. And what that has to do more than anything is whether or not we trust God to lead us where he wants us to go, right? That's that feeling that we have is you better not touch what's most important to me when you lead us, Lord. It really changes the song, Oceans. We're going to sing that here in a little bit. You remember that, that ocean song, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. And instead, what we try to do sometimes is go, look, Spirit, lead us wherever you want us to go as a church, but don't touch this. And you better not call me out here because I'm too afraid to go there. And so we have these things that the flesh builds up inside of us to go, I must have X or Y. And you need to know what we must have is God's leading in this. That's what we must have. That's where we must go. And anything that we have in the do not touch pile or the you better lead us here pile, you need to know that's just idols. That's just idols we have hold of. That we go, I'd rather hang on to this than follow wherever you're leading us to. And we've got to destroy those idols. We've got to be able to surrender this. I'll tell you, the, the, the time in my life where I was having the most serious conversations with the Lord and where I could hear him really the most clearly is when I got called into ministry. And, and I really do feel like that that was a serious calling. Like the, the Lord actually went, hey, you're supposed to be a minister. And I remember grabbing hold of that and going, but you don't understand. I got a wife at home and two little kids. I can't do this right now. 
I don't know how, how we'll survive. I don't know how we'll live if I go off into this area with you. How am I going to make a living? I can't, I can't sell my house and just move somewhere and like go back to school if I need to do that. I don't know where this is going to lead. Who would hire me? Where am I going to end up? And I remember taking hold of this thing and going, it's got to work this way. It can't work the way that you're talking about. And what that led me to more than anything is an understanding, this conversation I had with my father who's a preacher who goes, look, here's the deal, buddy. It's not about when you're called. It's about when you surrender to the call. There's going to come a moment where what you're going to do is you're going to go, Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I remember that being a very serious conversation that I had with the Lord at that time to go, I don't get how this is going to work. I don't see how in the world we're going to have any food in the refrigerator. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills, and I have no idea where we're going to end up. And this battle that was raging inside me of this anxiety, this fear that it led to, and finally going, but look, here's the deal. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. You just lead me. And then there was this feeling of great relief that came upon me to understand that this is not about what I do. This is about what God does. That following him, no matter where that leads us, it's going to be okay. He's not going to lead us to a bad place. The Lord's going to lead us into his will. We're going to be following his mission. And frankly, for all of us, the place that we need to get is in our weakness of surrender. If this church... And this group of people could be in this place to go, I lay down all the things of my flesh, the things that I'm afraid of, the things that I'm frustrated about, the things that I'm afraid you're going to lead us to, the things from my past that I need to hang on to, all of that for us to lay it down. It is in our weakness. It is in our neediness for God where we can actually have him lead us. It's not in our strength. That's the point Paul's trying to make. In my strength, Paul says in chapter 7, I tried to follow the right way. I tried to do the right things, and I was unable to do it. In chapter 8, he says, but a life in the Spirit has set me free, being able to follow God wherever he leads us. We've got to learn to trust the Spirit. Romans 8, that is, that is this, uh, this conversation, I think, that, uh, that, that Paul has, is him saying, if you follow in the Spirit, you can lay down the flesh. And I love more than anything that that whole chapter is about living in the Spirit. But this is the way it starts, and this is the way that it ends. Romans 8, 1, the beginning of the chapter says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If chapter 7 is about a struggling in the flesh, chapter 8 is all about you living in the Spirit, and it starts with the idea of going, there's no condemnation and there's no separation. That's what the Spirit says. The flesh says, do more, be better, always be afraid of whether or not you've done enough. The Spirit says there's no condemnation and there's no separation. That's who we are. We're those people. We're those people who believe that. And from that comes all of the works that God who has put in front of us. That condemnation, there's no condemnation. I don't know if you know that word. That's a, a word that we don't use a whole lot, but it's a, a good Bible word. And really what it means more than anything is condemnation is God saying you've blown it. You've ruined it. 
And what Paul is saying right there is you need to know, for those of us who struggle in the flesh, you need to know God says you haven't blown it. He says this is what I've done. And so there's no condemnation and there's no separation. The flesh and the self always wonders, have I done enough? The spirit says God's done enough. And that's where we are. With that, we're going to close out today. We're going to be a people who rest in the Spirit, who believe in what the Spirit says. We're going to take some time right now, and we're going to pray. So if you would, would you please stand with me? We're going to have some elders and some ministers around for us to pray with. And I'll tell you, if you're in this spot where you're trying to make a hard decision maybe right now, and you're going, I need to hear the guidance of the Holy Spirit and what's going on in my life for, for that uh, help in this decision I'm making. Maybe you're trying to figure out where God would lead you as a person, where God would lead us as a church. Maybe you have prayer of celebration. Maybe you have prayer of repentance. Any of those things, we would invite you to come and, and say a prayer with each other. Say a prayer there at your chair. Come pray with one of the elders and the ministers, and we would love to do that with you. Let me close this out right now, and then we'll sing a few songs while we pray with one another. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for uh, the realm of the Spirit that we live in. And Lord, we ask that you would help us quiet the voice of the flesh. Lord, we don't want to be concerned. We don't want to be fearful of the things that we've done or whether or not we're going to do enough in the future to please you. Instead, Lord, we want to trust and rest in what you have done for us. We know there is no condemnation and there is no separation for us. Let us be a people who trust you when we sing those words that they're actually true. Lord, lead us wherever you would have us go, where our faith is without borders, where we will be the people who follow you no matter what you lead us into. Let us lie down. Uh, our fear, let us lay it on the ground and let us trust in you. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray all this. Amen.